You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Uh, I don't know about you, but I really enjoy building things. Does anybody else enjoy building stuff? Raise your hand. Like creating stuff, maybe crafting, any crafters. Uh, I, I just really enjoy building, like Legos. Legos are my jam. Like I love like that. I have four kids. I get to play with Legos. Um, but, but don't give me the instruction books. So I'm not one of those people that like to build with manuals. Um, I, I like to just build. And so I even had this conversation with my five-year-old last night. Uh, she wanted me to play Legos with her. And so I just start putting pieces together. And she's like, no, Dad, you got to follow the book. I'm like... That needs to go in the trash. We're just going to build. Um, because, I, I, like, Ikea is my nemesis. It's my kryptonite. Because you have to follow every page to the T. Because if you're left over with parts in the end, you did something wrong. Um, and so for me, I just, I love to build things. And so when God called our family to Fort Myers to see a church form, um, we found a home uh, off McGregor, and uh, it needed a full renovation. And so right before we moved in, after we closed on the house, I went in and in four days demoed almost every wall and part of that house. And then stepped back and was like, uh-oh. Um, because then it had to get rebuilt. But it, to me, like that blank canvas was just awesome. And then uh, as we were growing, we were meeting in homes, and it was such a beautiful season of meeting in homes. And then God brought us from homes into a church uh, off of McGregor, uh, kind of just north of Colonial. And that building was uh, kind of an older style building. Um, it had been sitting for years. And uh, so we kind of did this whole renovation on it. We redid like a kid's area, redid like a, a meeting room kind of in their fellowship hall uh, and, and renovated that space. And then um, the Lord opened up the opportunity for us to come here. And, and I, I talked to the pastor that was meeting next door and, and they said they shut down this building in 2015. The ACs didn't work. Uh, it was old and moldy. And, and he's like, but you're allowed to use it. And so so they graciously allowed us to meet here, and, and so we came in. And actually, this is a picture of what this space looked like. Um, it's going to come up on the screen. Um, but that's what this room looked like. I mean, there was wood paneling uh, top to bottom, and um, the carpet was uh, supposed to be white, I think, but it was kind of creamy brown, um, and the pews were pink, and, um, and the Lord had, had given us this vision to, to redesign and, and refresh and renew this. And then um, God gave us not only this building, but then gave us the building next door, and that building was affected by um, the hurricane, so the front windows blew in, uh, the side uh, overhang, water penetrated in, uh, there was no insurance on that building, from the church that owned it. And so they gave that to us, uh, therefore dissolving our mortgage that we had on this property. And so um, we started the process of trying to be good stewards of what the Lord has blessed us with. And we started the renovation process on that facility over there. And we started uh, making it watertight and new windows and things like that. And so this is a rendering, but this is very close to what it looks like. Um, but this is what, you know, it looks like now, except for the landscaping. Um, and so that's just part of the vision of, of maybe one day. Um, but that's what um, God has allowed us to do. And then we went, we started in the upstairs of that other building. We want to create a building that the community can use. So it's kind of uh, an event space. We have some administrative offices, which we've never had any kind of offices for our team and our staff here. And so this next room, uh, I believe like this is uh, what we are now calling the library. And so this is what it is now. Um, and then uh, the next space, 
And none of this is fully done yet, so, uh, but this is one of the offices upstairs, um, the next space. Uh, this is the reception area. Um, and then uh, this next one was actually where now my office is. Um, so I've never had that before. I was meeting in the mother's nursing room. That's where I was, uh, or Starbucks. Um, and then the next one, uh, this is where we now have a bathroom uh, that we've put in. The team has worked so hard uh, to get this. And then this is kind of the entire office space. Uh, this is what it was. You can see the ceiling is falling down um, because of uh, water that had come in the building. Um, and then so this is the next one and what it is now. Um, and um, I, I love that. I love seeing like things go from what was to what is and what could be. And that just merely is a glimpse into the grandness and the greatness of our God. Like Isaiah 55 opens up our minds and our hearts and our eyes to the fact that God is a builder. God is a creator. He is in the transformation business. He takes what is broken and dead and hurting and he makes it alive, and he renews it, and he transforms it. To what purpose, to what end? For his glory, for his name's sake, does he transform, does he build, does he create? That's why in Genesis 1, when he says, let there be light, what does he say that light is? He says it is good. That goodness is because it brings him glory to see his creation serve its purpose. That's who God is. That's what Isaiah 55 is bringing out. And I'm not going to be able to go through every verse here because I'm going to be short on time today because we have some uh, really fun stuff that we want to share. This is kind of a vision morning for us as a church. But there are two main overarching themes that I want to just bring before our church because this is where he has us in this season. In Isaiah 55, and this is what we see, and this is what we know. The Lord will build his kingdom. God will build his kingdom for his glory. And where does he start this? He starts it in me. He starts it in you. The transformation that takes place in people who were once dead and now are made alive is a personal, intimate, interactive relationship. Christ didn't come to establish a religion or a set of moral rules. He came to restore a relationship. God, the creator of all things, desires a personal, intimate, interactive relationship with you. That's a huge deal. Like that's a, I mean, if you're coming in here today and you've never heard that before, you have to understand that God wants you. He wants a relationship with you. And so look at what we're seeing here in verses one through two, because this is what a lot of commentators would call the great invitation, that God invites us to know him. Look at verses one and two. Come, everyone who thirsts, do you ever have a longing inside of you for something? Like you just feel like something's missing? Like you feel like thirsty for more, but you, you, you can't satisfy that thirst? This is who he's speaking to. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. 
come buy wine and milk without money and without price? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread or labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, God, and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. This is the invitation sent out to guilty sinners, those who are hungry and those who are thirsty. He wants us to reside in his kingdom. He wants us to reside, he wants to reside in us. In just the first three verses, there are 13 imperatives, 13 what you could call commands. I mean, look at this. It says, come to me, come, buy, eat, listen, delight, incline, hear, come. He is commanding us to approach him, but with what? How how can we, mere humans who are sinners, approach God? What does he say? With nothing. You approach God with nothing. You don't have money. You can't buy him off. You don't have, the, there's no prices on his salvation that he offers to you. He's, he's continually saying, come, buy and eat with no money, without price, come to me. There is an invitation that he extends to every man, every woman, and every child that ever will ever exist on this earth. To come to him, and all you bring is nothing. You actually just kind of bring your sin to the table. And what he wants, he wants you. He doesn't want your stuff, he wants you. There's nothing that you possess he wants except you. In verse 7, I love what we see because it's this great invitation of, hey, you know the times that you mess up and you fall short and if you've been walking this, what's called the Christian life for a while, you ever have those seasons where you're just not doing very well? I've, I've I talked to a bunch of people coming in and, and that's, that's kind of how we roll is we, we do things, we mess up, but what is this great invitation? Look at verse seven. Let the wicked forsake his way, and let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I love what H.B. Charles Jr. says about this, because he uses this analogy of a navigation system. Anybody use their nav system on their car or on their phone? Anybody do that? Um, I I use it often when you're going somewhere, you don't know where you're going, type in the address. Um, When you're driving and using a nav system, usually there's some kind of a dialogue. Uh, It's one-sided. She or he is telling you where to go and you're driving. What happens when you miss your turn? Does, Does the nav system say to you, like, hey, dummy, you missed your turn. Now you're on your own. Figure it out. No, it recalculates, and then what does it say? Make a U-turn. Make a U-turn. That's what verse 7 is is inviting us to do. In every moment of every day and every minute, when you're messing up, even though you have already been redeemed, even though you've already been forgiven, even though he's already paid the price, come, buy, and eat rich food. Delight yourself in the Lord. He's inviting you to turn around. 
He's inviting you to make a U-turn to get back to where he initially intended for you to be. That is the good news of the gospel. God is always present. He doesn't leave you when you mess up. In the good and in the bad, he is there. This everlasting covenant. Look at verse 3. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. I mean, that's right there, even an example to us of his everlasting covenant. Because David wasn't a perfect person. David messed up a lot. And we have his story of mess-ups in this book. And his covenant is everlasting. So if you're coming in here today and you feel like, oh man, I am not worthy to be here this morning, I want you to know that Jesus has made you worthy. His life for your life. When God looks at you right now in this very moment, no matter what you did five minutes ago or five hours ago or five years ago, he looks at you as his son, as his daughter, whom he loves and he delights in. Because you have been redeemed by Jesus. He wants to transform your life, your heart. He will build his kingdom in you. And what happens when he builds? Well, there's this transformation. It's, it's a transformation from, from self-glorifying and self-centeredness and self-leading to be self-led people. That, that's, that's who we are in our flesh. And he transforms that to what? To be people who are God-glorifying and Jesus-centered and spirit-led. Those are our values. That's what we desire to be, the type of people who are God-glorifying, Jesus-centered, and spirit-led. He's the one who makes that transformation. He's the one who places his spirit inside of us so we can be transformed by his good news. He transforms God is personal. He builds something new in us. And then this passage is also corporate. Because as he transforms you, as he begins to transform my life, what does that do? I've seen this personally in my own life, and I hope, I hope that you have seen this in your life if you've professed faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. As God transforms my life, that begins to transform the relationships that are all around me. It transforms the relationships with my wife, with my kids, with my neighbors, with my coworkers, from the people that I meet out in public, whether it be uh, the, the grocery store or the gym or at the HOA meeting, wherever it may be, it transforms those relationships because I have been transformed and it overflows, the gospel overflows out of my life into those relationships and by doing so, we leave this place, and if, if my life is being transformed, and Ben's life is being transformed, and Lewis's life is being transformed, and Katie's life is being transformed, and their relationships and their circles of accountability and influence are being transformed, then that begins to change and transform the community. And that's the hopeful vision that we have at FMCC, is that we would live lives that are transformed by the Holy Spirit's power, and that our relationships would begin to be transformed. And then our community would begin to be transformed. And so the Lord will build his kingdom not only in us, in me, but in the world. 
Look at verse 13. I love when scripture gives us these analogies that we can sit in and and hear and, and ponder upon. Verse 13, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, beautiful and strong. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that it that shall not be cut off. I don't know if you've ever go hiking or walking or even like around in a field or maybe even your front lawn um, and have gotten affected or impacted by a thorn or a briar. Here in Southwest Florida, we have something called sand spurs. You ever get attacked by those? I mean, what's the purpose? It's kind of like mosquitoes. God, why did you create these things? But, but actually... A sandspur has a purpose, and the reason why it is the way it is, and it's, it, 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 it's thorny, and it's hard, and it attaches to things, because what it does is, one, it protects the seed that's inside, and two, it latches on to other hosts, so whether it's a bunny, or a dog, or my ankle, right, and it carries these things to other places, and then hopefully it gets rubbed off, And then it lands in that other place to then grow more. Thorns and briars and sand spurs are made, actually, to have one purpose, to multiply. That's what they do. They they multiply. And this is sin. Maybe a silly example, a sand spur is sin, but hopefully the next time you get affected by one, you could think about this. Is this is what sin does. The devil is out to make brokenness multiply. Seeds of destruction. And guess who's the host of sin? People. We're the host that it latches onto. Sin attaches to us, and then we multiply it. We, we bring it around, and it affects those around us. But God... Being rich in mercy, we were once planters of thorns and briars, but now we are planters of good news, of good seed that will create a crop for his name and for his glory. That's the transformation that God does, that we built together as a people of God, the church, his family, create the cypress and the myrtle, these beautiful, big, strong trees. The church is a cypress that releases seeds of the gospel into the world through the work of Jesus alone, by faith alone, and grace alone. To what end? The same thing we started with. To his name be the glory. So what do we do knowing this? What can we do knowing that God will build his kingdom in me and in the world around me? Well, look at verse 12. It says that we will go out in joy and be led in peace. For you, people of God, for you, those that have been transformed to plant seeds of good news, shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. The Lord is calling us to go and be a people of peace and be a people of joy 
to the world around us. I mean, the mission that we have, the mission that God has given us as FMCC is, is one that says um, to love God, love others, and make disciples. This isn't just a catchy phrase. This isn't just something that we put together because it sounds good. This is the exact mission that God gives his people in his word. Are the lights flickering? Everybody's looking up. Um, and so uh, God gives us this mission so that we can be a people that are loving him above all else. He first loves us, and it's in response to that that we can love him. And then that love that we have between us and him begins to overflow into the world around us to love others. And then we get to go, therefore, and make disciples of his name and of, of, of his glory. And so it's a mission that we accept as his children. I don't know if you watch the movies Mission Impossible, um, but this, there's this movie chain. There's like 10 of them, I think, now. Um, it's about Ethan Hunt, who's a secret detective that gets sent these impossible missions. And in the beginning of each movie, he gets some kind of recorded device. It's either a video or audio. And it tells him of this mission that just seems absolutely impossible. And then there's a question that's asked. And they say, if you choose to accept, and then it goes on. Well, God has given every believer a mission. This isn't for some believers or those who are uh, gifted in evangelism or gifted in discipleship. No, no. Every single person that places faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is given a mission that you, when you said, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, chose to accept his mission. And that mission is to love him above all else. He must be your greatest treasure. And to love others around you in a way that he has loved you. And then to make disciples of his name, to make his name great. Our desire is that we as a people of FMCC would be a cypress in this community. We would be a myrtle in this community. That we would make his name great. That we would be a launching pad of gospel-centered ministry into the community around us. And you are a part of that.